I knew it was me. View. Good morning. Hope you're well. Want to welcome your guest here today. Uh, we're right in the middle of a series called Clear. No. How about now? Well, it's great to see all of you. And uh, just to start out, I want to say to our guests, uh, great to have you here. Uh, we're so glad you decided to spend this cold, rainy morning with us and not in bed. Uh, and we hope it can be something that can encourage you in your faith. Uh, and, and before we get started, I just want to say uh, congratulations and thank you to all the people that made uh, yesterday uh, be an incredible Women's Day. So I know there were some brothers that served and a lot of people that served. So big thank you. And, and I want to say a special thank you. She didn't know this is coming, but I want to say a thank you to my wife who worked really hard for this. Put her on the spot. Okay. Wow. You guys don't know. But I know how much she prayed, how much she just really, really wanted this to be an incredible event. And uh, so I just want to lift you up, uh, incredible women's ministry leader. And all of you guys that helped, there were college students, men uh, dressed in black ties, holding signs, telling people where to go yesterday morning. Uh, and it was very, very, very encouraging event. So congratulations. So I want to just give a shout out to all the people watching online. There is a little small group that's going to be a big group one day in Santa Rosa, California that's been tracking us for a number of months. So turn around to the camera and wave to everybody there in Santa Rosa. Great to have you. They have service with us uh, every... And, and pray for that group. Pray for uh, the group up there in Northern California that, that tracks with us every Sunday. But as I shared before, we're in the, the middle of a series called Clear. And uh, this all came from questions that people came and asked us, the ministers, hey, who are we as a church? What are we about? Uh, it's not clear. And so if you're a guest here today, you've come, you've come to the perfect service to hear about who we are and what we're about uh, as a church. And, and it's mostly for the members of our church, but it's also for you so that you understand what God is about, what he's trying to do through church and the difference that he's trying to make in our world. And, and this is incredibly relevant right now uh, that, that we're talking about this today, particularly. Uh, and, and so we started uh, August 30th. We looked at our vision statement. If you remember August 30th, we talked about our vision statement it's on your newsletter. We want it to be all over everything. This is, this is who we desire to be. This is our identity, okay? To love God, live change, and light the way. Love God, live change, and light the way. Now, this is our vision statement. And what we need to follow that is a mission statement. Mike came up with this great quote yesterday. It's your quote, right? You quoted this? You stole it. Okay. We all steal. Everybody steals in the ministry. Okay. And we all get it from the same place. Guess where we get it. Okay. Just, just so you know. A vision without a mission is like a Ferrari without fuel. It may look impressive, but it won't get you anywhere. You know, our vision statement is cool. Love, live, light. Cool, right? But if, if we're not going to do anything... It, 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 it's impressive, but it's not going to get us anywhere. So that's why we've been talking about our mission statement. And this is our mission statement, that, and, and it's very simple too. It's got to be clear and simple. So we've been talking about this, follow as disciples. That was week one. Two weeks ago we talked about that. And last week we talked about connect his family. And I just want to say, Mike, you did an incredible job last week. And I hope that you're making decisions with each one of these steps you're making decisions that I'm going to act on this so that you don't end up being like a Ferrari, that you look impressive, but you're not going anywhere. Okay? We want to go somewhere with our lives. We want to make a difference. And, and today we're going to look at the, the, third, the third point or the third word in our mission statement, and is that is go. Go as missionaries. Go as missionaries. Why is this so important? You know, as you think about things that happened this week, 
Uh, you know, if you're a college student, let me just, so how was this week for you guys, uh, you know, when you went to school this week after Thursday? Walking to class, sitting in class, maybe high school students. I mean, it, it's stuff that happens in our world where you just go, I, I, I can't believe this in rural America. I can't believe it. You know, no place is safe anymore. In fact, when you get behind the scenes, you go, man, our world is hurting. Our world is hurting. And, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing about that is, you know, that's just the stuff you saw on the front page of the newspaper. Do you know how many stories there are that never makes it to the headlines, never makes it to the news media, neighborhoods, situations? You know, that, that was like a drop in the bucket in our community because people are hurting. You know, yesterday, the, the Women's Day and, and the whole theme of it, but there were a lot of crying eyes yesterday. That was the report I got, oh, by the way. Why? Because people are hurting. People need hope. People are lost. People are angry. They're frustrated. They are completely in the dark. And what a difference it could make in people's lives if they could be surrounded by the love of Jesus in human form. Think about that. What would it be like if a group of people surrounded some of these hurting people and said, hey, listen, God loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to carry you along so that you can be different and that you're not useless, you're not a failure. In fact, you are a precious son and daughter of God. What, what, would it, what a difference it would make to somebody's outlook on life. And as you see some of this stuff that goes on in our society, you can say, there's none of that. And so today we're going to look at the words of Jesus. And I hope that today you can kind of move me to the side and that you can hear the voice of Jesus today. Because I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to Jesus. And what he has to say to his church. And what he has to say to you, if you're a guest here today, if you're visiting with us, what he wants to say to you. Because see, Jesus, Jesus, when he was here, was on a mission. He was on a mission. And then he passed on to his disciples that mission. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, in the four Gospels. But before we go there, l- let's look at this, okay? This first verse, okay? Who is God and what's he all about? And even thinking about this past week, what's God's heart in all of this? How would he feel? If God were among us, what would he do? What would he say? How would he feel about things? See, and in this, this verse that we're going to look at in John chapter 1, verse 18, see, people believed in God, they saw parts of God, but they never understood who God really was and who God really is. And so look at this verse as John so perfectly describes it. Verse 18, he says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. If you want to know what God is like, who do you need to look to? Jesus. See, Jesus came to close the gap, to to answer the questions. What does God feel about our world today? Do you know what Jesus did as he walked up on Jerusalem, just like Los Angeles, just like any city in the United States? When he walked up on that city, do you know what he said? you know what he did? Well, go read it. And you'll find out because it's right, it's right here. Jesus walked up to Jerusalem and looked over Jerusalem and he wept over the city. He said, this city's hurting. This city's lost. They have no understanding of who God is and what he wants in his heart, how much he loves the city and every city and every person. So we don't have to wander around. I wonder what God is like. I wonder what he feels. It's, it's right here. Jesus has made him known. In fact, if you look at Jesus, 
you're going to see exactly what God would say and do. Look at this other verse, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Son, Jesus, the Son is the radiance of God's glory. If you want to see God in living flesh, walking, talking, look to the Son, for the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact, now wait a second, you mean Jesus is exactly what God is, who he is, what he is? Yes. That's what the Bible is saying. If God were among us, what would he look like? What would he say? See, so we don't have to wonder. And people, even during the times of the scriptures, they were wondering, you know, we've seen different pieces and we believe in God and I've seen him work, you know, in this area and this area, but I really want to know more about God. I want to get to know him. Jesus came for that very reason. You and I can know what God would feel, do, say here on earth among us today. And so as we begin our lesson today, I really want us to pray, and I hope that you can hear Jesus' voice this morning towards your particular life and also about our world today because, guys, listen, our world needs help. People need help. And it's daunting, it's overwhelming, and we can't do this by ourselves. But I believe together, if we'll just be focused on Jesus and do it the way he said and have his heart, wow, what a difference we can make together. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can uh, learn from your word. God, I thank you that we can have hope and answers to all the questions that we have, God. But I pray that those of us who are members of this church, those of us who've decided to follow Jesus, that will listen and be faithful and we will hold to Jesus' teaching. And we will try to emulate what he did, what he said, and how he felt about our world today. God, we beg you to please help us to have Jesus' heart in our world today. God, we pray for our world. We pray for the families that have lost loved ones in Oregon, but not just in Oregon, all over our country. There are parents sobbing over their child who was killed in a car accident last night, a drunk driving accident, a, 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 a homicide. There are parents sobbing. God, our world is hurting. We pray that you will use us in all churches who follow Jesus to make a difference in our world. God, be with us right now. Let your spirit speak to us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so today we're going to look at the four accounts of the Gospels at the very end of Jesus' ministry, okay? The last words that he said, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie and when somebody's dying in bed and, they, and they're, about to, they're about to breathe their last and, 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 and they say, come, 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 you know, and they lean in and they listen, what, what are your last words? Aren't those important? These are Jesus' last words that we're going to listen to and hear. So they're very, very important from Jesus' perspective. And we have four accounts. Again, we don't need to wonder. we got four different perspectives. It's like 4D, four, four dimensions of Jesus. You've got Matthew, say it with me, Matthew. You've got Mark, who's actually Peter, through Mark. Then you've got Luke, who was a doctor who did a thorough investigation, he had eyewitnesses and he interviewed them and he was very thorough about the details of Jesus' words and messages and things that he did and said. And then the final one, probably my favorite, John. John, John is a, I think he was the Latin Filipino of the disciples or African-American. Let's not leave anybody out. But he was the emotional guy, the heartsy guy, and nothing against the rest of you. Okay? White people, Mike. Nothing against, okay? But you know we tend to be more passionate, emotional, right? That's how John was. And we'll finish with John. 
Okay, you know, whatever, whatever I say, it's going to offend somebody. So I'll just say it right up front. I'm sorry. Okay? Anything that I may say, I'm sorry. Okay, we can talk after. Back to Jesus. All right, this is, this is, this is the beginning. Jesus pulled his disciples together. The 11, that means the 12 minus 1. Judas already took his life. So we only have 11 now. The 11 disciples went along to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him because he was the resurrected Jesus. But here's the thing. They worshiped him, but what does it say here at the end? Some, after 40 days of Jesus appearing to them, showing the wounds, showing the scars, appearing like out of nowhere in the middle of a room, talking to them, eating with them, they still doubted. You know what? This is good news to me, all right? Because I sometimes, I'll say it, I sometimes doubt. If you're a doubter, do we have any doubters here today? Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. (laughs) I don't want to know. Okay, you know, God knows. But People doubt. There were some of the 11 that doubted. Some of them, not just one of them. We give Thomas the blame, and it's not just Thomas. There were some of them who did what? They doubted. I got good news for you. If you're a doubter, you're in good company. Because even the 11, some of the 11 had doubts. But you know what was impressive about the 11? They worked through their doubts. They worked through their doubts. And you know what? They probably prayed as I pray when I have doubts, because I can tell you guys, uh, working with the church, you know, working with yourself and your, your, your weaknesses, you go, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. There's so many faults in me. There's so many faults in us. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, right? We're so messed up. How's this going to work? What's that? Doubt. And you know what I do is I just say, God, can you help us? Help me with my unbelief. And you know what he does? He helps us with our unbelief. Then something happens and you go, okay, I believe. Let's go. Let's do this. God's going to work. And it's like this. You know, we saw it at the, you know, Six Flags. It's kind of like that. You know, and you're spinning and you're going. But these guys never quit. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you. They never quit. None of them quit. Of the 11, none of them quit. They doubted, but they kept on persevering. All right, so let's go on. You're in good company. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this to us doesn't mean what it meant to them. To them, this was huge. If you're a Jew, this is huge. What Jesus is saying is, you have to track back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. You have to track back to the Old. We don't have time for that today, but you have to go to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 4, the law of Moses. Then you go to Daniel chapter 7, where Jesus Jesus is talked about. Thousands of years before, Jesus is talked about. So when he says this, he's basically saying, guys, I want you to know, All of the scriptures for thousands of years that have led up to this point, point to me. I am the one. You mean, you're the one, Jesus? Yes, I'm the one. See, I'm the one that the prophecies talk about. Exactly how it was going to happen. Remember? That's how it happened. I mean, you read the Gospel of Matthew and you can just go, back and forth, Old Testament said, this, this was written thousands of years. You can go, you can go and see Old Testament scriptures. You know when they had the Dead Sea Scrolls here at the Museum of Science? You can look at the, 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 the Dead Sea Scrolls that were written before Jesus. They were written before Jesus describe what Jesus was going to go through. Step by step, how he would die. And you go, Wow. This is much bigger than us. Could you imagine? They're seeing the culmination of thousands of years of prophecy being fulfilled in front of them. So this is a huge statement. I am the one. It's epic, this statement that Jesus is making. Verse 19, therefore, 
now that I'm the one, now that I'm giving you the instruction, therefore go. Now this is the word that we're looking at today. Go. Go. What did Jesus, if Jesus were here in church today, what would he say to us? Go. Get out. Go. Do, why, why go? You know, a lot of us, we blame God. God, if you exist, how can you allow so much violence and hate and misery and suffering? You know what God would say? It's not me. It's my church. You see, they're my hands and my feet. I've given it to them, and I'm giving them the charge. See, because we can't just fold our arms and, and go, well, it's somebody else's responsibility, not mine. No, no, no. Jesus is saying to his disciples, guys, it's on you now. I'm going to be with the Father, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cheering, and I'm going to be answering your prayers, and I'm going to send somebody even more powerful than me, the Holy Spirit. Go. So don't blame God. Let's take responsibility as a church. And if you're a guest here today and you have that tendency to blame God, to blame church, to blame other people for the problems that go on, let's, it's real easy to be a sign line coach and say, hey, I don't like what's going on on the field. Hey, listen, get in the game. Get in the game and then we'll talk. That's what Jesus is saying to his church. Go, get in the game. I'm putting you in. Put me in, coach. Okay, I'm putting you in. Go and do what? Make disciples. We talked about this in week one. A disciple is not a church attender. Uh-uh. Or a follower of a particular doctrine. No, 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 no. A disciple is what? It's a student. A student of a teacher. He wants to emulate his teacher. We talked about that. You can go back and watch it again if there's any question. But it's somebody who's following. He wants to be exactly like his teacher. So I want you to go and not just get church attenders. I want you to go and make disciples because the disciples wanted to be like Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. Now, this is really intense because it's repeated over and over again, all nations. How big was the world in their eyes? It was like maybe Los Angeles metro area for them. Now, occasionally some strange people would show up from different places and they go, where are you from? You look different. I guess the world's a little bigger than we thought, but they had no idea how big our world is. Okay, all nations. They were supposed to do something they didn't even know existed. And so who does that include? Obviously, Jesus is talking about a future beyond these guys. He's talking about us. Now that we know the breadth and the width and the scope of what Jesus is asking us to do, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and what? Surely I will be with you. You're not going to go at it alone. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. I can't do this on my own. Can you? I, I can't shoulder this responsibility. I, I cannot do this. There are people that you're going to help and you're going to get with and you're going to say, I, I can't help them. Th this is too messy. Th this is too much for me. You know, but what Jesus says, and I've seen it over and over again, Jesus says, I I I'll be with you. I'll help you do this. And that's how the apostles, to the very end of the age, but, but it's an agreement. Understand, follow my teachings follow my plan. I'll be with you. We'll do this together. Okay? So this is Matthew. Let's go to Mark. Mark's next. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, the first time I read this, I said, creation. How big is God's creation? It's bigger than our world, isn't it? There's a movie out called Martian, or what is it, right? The Martian. Okay, so if there's life on Mars, who's going to preach on Mars? 
Any teens? Grow up to be astronauts? Okay? And maybe beyond, but this, this is what it's talking about. Preach to everybody in this world, and, and if there's something else out there, somebody's got to go and share about Jesus everywhere to all creation. For whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. There's a consequence. There's a consequence. Understand this. When you, when you deliberately decide not to follow Jesus, you become a part of the problem. God's not indifferent about all the violence and hate and destruction that goes on in our world. There will be a price to pay for those. I want to be a part of the solution. And Jesus is inviting us to be a part of the solution. So this means go into all the world. What does this mean for us? Do I have to go to Kathmandu? No, no, no. Simply means go to your neighborhood Go to your school. Can, can I go ahead and say to our students, I'm so proud of you guys for your TBTs. You guys are awesome. I, I think it was at Claremont High School this past thir Thursday, was it? Friday. You guys had like 50 high school students come together for your T TBT, right, Jude? You guys are awesome. See, you're going into all the campuses. And, and, and I want to encourage the, the college students, what you guys are doing at Mount Sac, what you're doing at Citrus College, and what you just started doing at, because they opened school at Cal Poly and other colleges. I just want to say, you're going into those campuses, letting people know about Jesus. Amen. And I'm proud of you. And, and I've been side-by-side side with some of you, and I want to be side-by-side side with you guys. Citrus, I've made it to Mount Sac a few times, Cal Poly, but I want to go to Citrus. I'm coming to Citrus, okay, side-by-side. Side. But, but for the rest of us, what's this mean? I don't have a college campus. I don't have a high school campus. Your workplace, your neighborhood, go there and share your testimony. Share about Jesus. Okay, so now we go to Luke. Luke. Okay, and this is a little deeper. This is a little deeper what Luke says. He says, he told them, this is what is written. In other words, this is bigger than just here and now. This is something that was written a long time ago. And that's what's so cool about the scriptures. The whole Bible is there are so many prophecies that foretell exactly how and the way it's going to happen. It's powerful. It's powerful. And Jesus is saying, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. Isaiah 53. And on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to who? Do you know that there are churches all over the world? Now, some of them are small. And there's some remote areas. But in all nations, there are churches that follow Jesus. Even in war-torn Syria. There is a church of Jesus Christ where they're letting people know in danger of their own lives. There are people doing that. And beginning where? Where did everything start? Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where everything started, the day of Pentecost. And, and this is so important, thousands of years in the making. And I want you to understand, sometimes we look at church and we go... Well, you know, this is Lighthouse Church. You, you have no idea. This has been thousands of years in the making. This is much bigger than you and me. You and I get to be a part of this. It's been going on for thousands of years. It's so powerful. It was written a long time ago that a group of people like us would come together and believe and follow Jesus and make a difference in this world. We read on Luke 24, 48. You are witnesses of these things. In other words, you guys have seen this. Write it down. Tell people about it. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with what? Power. What's he talking about? Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that this year, right? Now, a lot of us get really weirded out or funny when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And some of you get a little overexcited about the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this is so important. This is so, so important. Why 
what was the primary role of the Holy Spirit. It was all about the Great Commission. It was to empower the followers so they could go and speak on God's behalf. It's not so that we can have these little group meetings, you know, in in, in secret places and watch God do amazing things and go, wow, God is here. You know, that's exciting, but that's not his role. You know, his primary role is to give you courage when you're afraid to help you. I don't know what to say. He's going to give you what you need to say. He's going to help you speak. He's going to help you in the moment of fear and, and, you know, you're discouraged. He's going to help you give testimony about Jesus. That's his primary role. That's what, and that's why Jesus said, I want you to wait before you go. Stay first and wait for power, then go. Okay? So if you have power, if you have the Holy Spirit, what are you supposed to do with the Holy Spirit? Go. Go. Go talk about him. Tell people who don't know about Jesus. That is the role, the primary role of the Holy Spirit. We read on. John, final gospel, final account. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, then the disciples were together, and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, let's just look at this. How were the disciples feeling at this point? They're locked in a room, and they're what? They're scared for their lives. They just killed our leader. They're coming after us. Okay? They're scared. Do you ever get scared? All right, so you're in a room, and you're scared, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, I want you to imagine this. They're they're, they're in a room, and then all of a sudden, right in the middle, Jesus just appears right there, and they're like, Peace be with you. What? I mean, it was it was a ghost. It was like people don't just walk through rooms and walk through doors and 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 walls. You don't do that. And so with every reason, you said, peace be with you. Calm down. Calm down. Because they were freaked out. Wouldn't you be freaked out? I mean, imagine you in your room and you're getting ready. And Jesus just shows up right there. Peace be with you. I know some of you. You would have an accident. So amen. Peace be with you. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have my inhaler now, please? Freaked me out. Verse 20. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. See, now this is what I appreciate about Jesus. If you're doubting, if you're scared, he will help you with your faith. He will help you with your faith. But you must turn to him and you must ask for help. And you must trust that he's going to come through with you and you got to take that first step. Okay? And then you will be overjoyed. You will be overjoyed. And we read on verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you, because some of them were still hyperventilating. Peace be with you again. Now, of all these words, what is the most important word that you see on the screen? Anybody? Anybody? What's the most important word? You cheated. Anybody else? What? Okay? No. I'm preaching, so I decide what the most important word is. When you preach, you can decide. No, but seriously. As. 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 You know why? Why is as so important? As the Father has sent me, how, how was Jesus sent? Let's talk about this. Jesus was sent how? Son of God, at the right hand of the Father, the most important role, title, position in heaven next to God. How was he sent? Jesus was sent as a servant. He was sent into Palestine, into a rural area 
called Nazareth, son of a construction worker. Philippians 2 says this. He says, it says that, Paul said that Jesus came with this awesome title, the Son of God, and he emptied himself of all titles and became a what? Servant and a slave. Now, this is significant. See, a lot of people have a problem with organized religion, and they have a problem with modern-day Christianity. Do you know why that is? See, because they see judgmentalness. They see judgmentalness. That's not a word. They see a judgmental spirit. They see pride, self-righteousness. Do they see Jesus? How did Jesus come? How, how did he come across to people? Especially people who were hurting and who were guilty and feeling awful about their lives. How did he come across to them? As a servant, he comforted them. He encouraged them. He taught them with great patience. He disrobed himself one night and put a towel around his, 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 his waist and poured water over dirty, stinking feet and washed their feet. What if, Jesus, what if people today saw that Jesus in us? What would they feel about the church? See, there's a problem. I believe there's a lot of people who have a misconception about Jesus, and it's our responsibility to fix it. As the Father sent me as a servant, the, the method that I use as a servant, as he sent me, I am what? How's Jesus going to send you? As he was sent to serve, what are we to do? Like what we're going to do this coming Saturday is huge. Have you ever stood at the foot of a homeless person and said, what can I do to help you? These people are dirty. They're, they're, they're hurting. Sometimes they're not even mentally there. I mean, a lot of us, we, we don't have time. I don't have time to help people in need. Well, you know, let's just get out of your way because you're really an important person. You're really busy. Your life is much, much more important than anybody else. Did Jesus do that? Man, what did Jesus do? He was available. And he was willing to meet with people that had their lives pretty, pretty messed up. I am sending you, so let's get about, and in two weeks, we're going to start a brand new series called Jesus Is, and I believe it's so important for us to reset who was Jesus as he walked the earth, and I invite you to come back, those of you who are guests, because I believe it's really important. If you've got any problem with organized religion, you need to reset who Jesus is and separate all your bad church experiences and say, okay, I want to know about Jesus. And then the rest of us who say we follow Jesus, let's do it as the way he did. As I'm sending you, as, you, as the Father sent me, as a servant, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is the time when they got the power. All right, so let's just do a quick review, and then we're going to close out. Matthew, what did Matthew say Jesus' final words were? go. Mark, what did he say? Go. Luke, wait, then go. All right? Then John, I'm sending you as the Father sent me to serve, to help, to be a humble servant. I'm sending you. Now, last of all, I wanted to share this with you guys because this is a practical way that I learned how to be a missionary. In 1990, my wife and I were sent out to be missionaries in Brazil, to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we got training as missionaries. We did not speak Portuguese. What's the primary language in Brazil? Anybody know? Portuguese. We did not speak the language, so what do we have to spend a lot of time doing? Learning Portuguese. Look at what Paul said about being missionaries. 
He says, though I am free, if we can bring this in just a little bit, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I became a Jew to, the, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. He goes on, verse 21. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am free from God's law, though I am not free from God's law, I am under Christ's law. So as to do what? So as to win. So as to win those not having the law. And to finish up, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for who? The sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Here's what we learned. You walk, you talk like an Egyptian. Whatever the Egyptians do, you do it. And it was a learning process. We did not speak Portuguese. And we would take classes from 9 in the morning till 12. And then what did we do after that? We went out and we talked to the people. We would share our faith. And in the beginning, we had to read off a card. Have you ever heard a three-year-old child speak? Have you ever heard a three-year-old child? They, they, gumble, they, they jumble up the English, don't they? Right? Sounds really, but you, you're just a child. You go, oh, how cute. How about a 26, 7-year-old adult talking like that? It's humiliating. People wanted to speak to English and to speak English to us because we were foreigners. Everybody wants to speak English. And we said, no, no, we want to speak your language. And for about two months, we sounded like idiots. Seriously. But you go for it anyway. And, and here's some of the things we, we, we learned to love their food, their music, their sports their current events. Basically, we took off our American mindset, my, things that we love about America. I love America. Well, good for you. You can be an American missionary. But in Brazil, you better love, you better be Brazilian. And every city was different. We literally had to become like them. And it wasn't easy. Because you and I get trained as Americans to be extremely prideful. And we think we're all that. And I learned what it meant to become all things to all people. Now let me ask you a question. What are you changing about you so that you can help somebody that's different than you? What are you willing to do to win somebody over? Somebody weak? somebody who's maybe not as, as in the know as you are. And I learned this really early on as a young Christian. See, because I thought I was, you know, pretty cool when I became a disciple at 21 years old. Formal high school athlete, big deal, right? You know, and, and I learned to fit in with the cool crowd. Jesus says, uh-uh. I want you to be whoever you need to be to help whoever you need to help. God put somebody in my life that was very, very difficult for me to relate to. Somebody with a same-sex attraction problem. And for where I was from and what my background was, I was a homophobic, just so you know. And God put this person in my life, and he says, will you, will, you become, will you become weak to somebody who's weak? And every part of me, every part of me loathed, and I would walk around in public, and this guy was very flamboyant, if you know what I mean, very effeminate, 
dressed it, walked it, talked it. Now, I didn't do all of that. What we became friends, what he needed to know is that I love you as hard as it may be for me. And he knew it was hard. I love you and God loves you. Now, that was my beginning. Let me ask you a question today, brother or sister. And if you're a guest, just listen, just listen in. What are you doing outside of your, your normal mode of operation to help somebody else? Are you becoming all things to all men so as to do what? To save as many as possible and even to save some. Do you know that for Paul, it was so against his nature as a Jew to hang around with Gentile people? And he loved them and he was effective who, who are hard people that you have? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's a neighbor who just grates you. I mean, he bothers me such a... Mm. That's exactly who you need to become different for. And, and we did it in Brazil. Then we up and changed a year and a half later to Colombia, and it was at Bogota, Colombia, and it's very different, different language. Mexico City, totally different there. Food's different, sports similar, but it's different. And our motto is, we're no longer American. We're Mexican. We're going to talk, walk, act, live like whoever in the country is. Now, you're all Americans, but are you willing to be different than you are for somebody else? That's what it really means to be a missionary. And I want to invite you because it is one of the most fulfilling things that you'll ever feel is when you cross over and you become somebody outside of yourself for someone else to help them. And they look you in the eyes and they say, thank you because I know what it took for you. You know, when I left college, that guy that was put in my life, and I finished college and I was moving to Boston, I remember saying goodbye to him. It was really hard. And he knew, and we embraced, and it was like, man. He said, thank you for loving me in spite of me. And it really helped me to see God's love for me. There's a lot of people in this world, you need to understand this. There's one thing. There's a lot of people in this world today who feel rejected, unloved, and they feel a failure. And it wasn't their fault. It was mom. It was dad. It was some situation. It was a teacher. It was a coach. It was somebody that just scarred them. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a failure. Maybe it was something really catastrophic that happened in their lives. But they feel completely separated and alienated from God and from everybody else. What would it look like for someone like that to have a follower of Jesus strip off all their identity and say, hey, I'm willing to love you at your level. Are you ready to do that? Follower of Jesus, that's what he's inviting us to do. That's what Paul said. That's what it takes to be a missionary here in West Covina. And it's not about going to learn another language. It's about loving people. So let's wrap it up. Yesterday, tagline was fairy tale, right? Here's the definition of a fairy tale. You heard it a number of times. Some, uh, one of the teachers this morning quoted it exactly without looking at anything. I can't even do that. Here's a definition of a fairy tale. It's, it's a story in which an improbable events lead to a happy ending. Everybody's got a fairy tale, right? Improbable events that lead up to a happy ending. You know, Walt Disney made an incredible empire and it still is just incredible out of fairy tales. And those fairy tales speak to people and they cry at the end. They go, oh, my dreams came true. 
Let me ask you a question, and this is your homework for next week, and we're going to have some audience participation next week, as usual. But I want you to think of a place in the Bible that describes a dream come true for Jesus. What is Jesus' fairy tale ending? What does he envision? What, what, would, what would Walt Disney write and script for Jesus' dream come true? His, his, his like heart crying, just like, yes, yes, my dream came true. So next week, you got a week to think about it, to look through the scriptures. And let's talk about that. Because I believe as a church, it's not about our dreams coming true, which they will, that's a promise, but whose primary dream do we want to come true? Jesus. Jesus says, if you make my dream come true, I will make your dream come true. And isn't it amazing how that all works together for the good? So I'm going to say a prayer right now, and we're going to listen to a song, and as soon as the song's over, you are dismissed. And I want to just say this one word to you. Go. Go. Go and help somebody in need. And let's change this world that we live in one person at a time so that we can stop the hurt, the hate, the pain in its tracks with at least one person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, God, for the privilege that you give us to hear your word, to know about Jesus. Thank you that we're born and we live in a time where he's so readily available, his word is so readily available for us. God, again, we want to lift up our world and we want to ask you to heal the hurting. But we want to ask you to use us. We want to ask you to send us out today. Use us. Help us to be sensitive. Help us to be willing to stoop to somebody else's level. Help us, God, to, to open our Bibles with people and, and point them in your direction to pray with them, to care about them, and to connect them with a spiritual family that can encourage them. God, we know your church can make a huge difference in people's lives because it's made a huge difference in our lives. Please, and I, I want to pray, God, for some of our families here in the church right now who are filled with anger, resentment, and pain. Father, that you can take that and, and help them to be aware that Jesus can, can provide answers. I pray for those that are of us or that are lonely here today, lonely in silence. Please, God, wrap your arms around them and help us as a church to wrap our arms around them because we know we're not alone. Father, we love you. Help us as a church. Help all churches around the world, especially the churches in, in the Middle East and in hard places, God, where it is to preach the gospel. Be with our brothers and sisters. Father, and I do want to pray again for the families that have lost their children. Help them. Minister them. Use this so they can draw closer to you. We love you, God. Bless our church. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.